Hello. 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 Who's there? It's me, Daniel. Who's there? It's John. It's it's been a long, long time. It has been a long, long time. But we're back. We're back. We've been around the world and back again. And we're now both <laughs> based in the UK again, pretty close to where we started. I'm actually in the same building. I'm just one floor up. So uh, now I'm working for a uh, much bigger company than I was because I was working for a little agency and we got acquired, as is uh, something of the trend at the moment. It's very, very, very on vogue. It is definitely on vogue. So now I'm working for a very large software company and doing very similar stuff to what I was doing previously, but with the joy of kind of different cultures coming in and trying to work out who we are and where we sit as designers within this whole 18,000 strong person company. Um, but I'm still in Manchester, working between Manchester and London on the same type of projects. We're working on a mix of digital, appy stuff, website stuff, 3D products. We're designing a lot of vehicles and kind of getting into that world as well, which is really cool. That's no, well, hold on. That sounds pretty cool. Like it sounds like you sort of, you sort of, you sort of grew and you went through some painful experiences and sort of hopefully gained loads of wisdom in the way. That's certainly true. I think there's been an awful lot of learning. Um, not necessarily all, uh, this is how I will do things. There's a lot of, this is how I won't do things again. Um, and there's been a lot of experiences for everyone been involved in this. And I suspect that's true of most kind of acquisitions like this. Yeah. Um, no. but the, yeah. The cool work started to come back in, which is really nice. It does send people running, doesn't it? You got some advice, like a one sentence thing for, um, for the LinkedIn guys who got acquired by Microsoft today? Hang tight through the first set of resignations, but then if the second set comes, go. <laughs> well, fair enough. Wise words from uh, from John. <laughs> yeah, I think the main the main thing is just uh, you've got two choices. You can things are going to change. The culture's never going to stay the same. You can either go straight away, which is totally acceptable, or you're going to hang tight for a year, a year and a half before things even start to settle down in this kind of acquisition. Mm. which is not just my experience, it's what I've heard as well. So I think you've either got to be in it for the long haul or you've got to get out quick. And I think people who've gone in that middle space have sort of regretted a lost six months whilst they waited. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So meanwhile, I moved back to the UK from my, my race car sort of adventures in Sweden and I'm working for a little, little design agency in... Um, edinburgh and we do a lot of work in the financial industries and and uh, we're um, we're actually really small and and really independent so it's really it's an interesting flat uh organization um so so it's cool like you stay you stay really close to um the direction of the company and the decisions and uh you should have you really heard which is uh, quite an interesting experience yeah, so that sounds awesome. And that's one of the things that's missing now from a big organization. I think that's one of the biggest contrasts in the type of work we do or the way we work because we're actually doing reasonably similar stuff in, in the sort of the context of the projects. But you're up there with the decision-making because it's a flat organization and I am so far removed from decisions now. It's unreal. It's really interesting to see that context, especially in the conversations that we have daily and the frustrations we have are, are very, very different. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting. So, so I, um, I work with Jenny Lennox now, who we interviewed in season one. 
and um, we're sort of building on some of our work to develop um, our future offerings for for the clients um, and it's uh, like it's really really um, uh, cool some of the stuff that's coming out of it I'm just that's like really good I'm just like genuinely sort of trying to make John jealous here um, yeah you're, you're succeeding you're succeeding yeah so so anyways um what else is new uh not a huge amount to be honest the world has kept turning um but the, the problems that are coming up the interest that i'm having in design is sort of uh evolving and growing which is kind of nice um new people to hear new people to listen to um, i'm getting exposed to really interesting designers which is good as well um so yeah, it's it's going. I'm I'm feeling slightly more mature than I was a year ago in in my approach to work. Yeah, no, totally. I think I mean the reason. So so this is like so if you're a new listener, like maybe you we met you at a conference or or like you met one of us giving a talk or something. Um, like this is really why you should listen. So when we started this podcast, we started it because we wanted to. So to talk about what it was like to start out in the industry and and sort of how lost you feel and and you know the the really early mistakes and not be uh, you know sort of the Mike Monteros of the industry who are the gurus and we're by no means still gurus but it's I think it's fair to say that we sort of moved on a little bit and learned a couple of lessons and and we're like a step in now. Um, and we just thought it'd be interesting to to make another round of podcasts to um, to, to share some of the lessons that we're we're learning at the moment because um, they're sort of different and and also unique to the stage we're in in our career and and also like the state the industry is in uh, if you're a practitioner because I feel like yeah. the industry is changing in some really fundamental ways at the moment. Well, we start today with uh, with a, uh, Daniel. I uh, gave a talk recently, um, and uh, I was lucky enough to see a portrait mobile phone video of of said talk, which is a you know a crime against all forms of media. But never mind. Um, and uh, the thing that uh, the takeaway from it is that pizza is really cool. Um, so we thought we talk a little bit about pizza and decision fatigue as to how it relates to the way people are using the internet and the way people are making decisions on products. Well, so so I think that's sort of maybe um, like a pretty aggressive synthesis of what we're talking about. So, so the talk <laughs> was uh, what people do on the internet. And I'm actually giving it again, it looks like, in, in three weeks for a roundup um, of our friends and clients, the company, on the 5th of June. So I really hope that you come to that. But But the sentiment of the talk is that people are doing all these things on the internet. And when we are designing products on the internet we are trying to convince them to stop using those products and we don't too often talk about uh like how that dynamic works we just make things that are really sexy and really nice and sort of you know like build it and they'll come sort of approach and that's not necessarily mm -hmm. true so there's like this ecosystem um of of uh, um, sites and apps that people want to spend their time on and you just got to be super realistic of where you stand in that ecosystem. Um, and more often than not, it's like at the bottom. Yeah, unless you're working for one of the, the big companies, you're 
you're pretty much at the bottom of that. And you're trying to take people, what we're saying is we're trying to take people away from another service because people have a finite amount of time or actually a finite amount of priority, which is where people really lie. I, a, someone once told me that you've, uh, I can't remember who it was, which is annoying, but and there's no such thing as I don't have enough time. What people are really saying is you're not a high enough priority. Yeah, no, totally. And I think I think that's cool. And I think that's okay as well. Like, um, and, and this is where the pizza comes in. So there is this, this pizza app. It's called like Pizza Guys or something like that. And they've really um, sort of understood this mentality of, of like people who want pizza, which is basically my wife every night. Um, and if you go on like Domino's or something, you got to choose like your toppings and your dough and if you want some Coke with it and when you want it delivered. And it's sort of a booking.com experience. Um, and the pizza guys, they've understood that when you want pizza, you really do want pizza and you want it now. So the interface is just a button with a pizza slice on it and you push it and they bring you pizza. Which sounds ideal and heavenly. Well, you know, like the Sunday morning sort of thing, right? So, well, actually, I got to tell you, this morning I was leaving the flat. Uh, well, I was leaving my building. It was uh, about twenty to six this morning, and uh, I, I got in the lift on the fifth floor, pressed the ground floor button, and the doors opened on the floor floor, which you you never meet people coming in out of the building at that time. And two people um, wearing pajamas and socks got into the lift with me. Uh, clearly, still worse for the wear. I met the pizza man at the front door, so it's also a Monday morning thing, not just a Sunday morning thing. <laughs> I can't imagine what kind of Sunday night you have that results in 5:30 a.m. pizza. Well, uh, on a Monday morning. Let me tell you, they're not. They're not trying to claw their way up the uh, the sort of design <laughs> rung. Um, it's not gainful employment pizza, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not the case. So, so, anyways, like, but if you understand this sort of mentality of the pizza bon vivant type character, right? Um, you're understanding something that's really fundamental is that people don't really want to make a loads of decisions on the internet all the time, um, which is sort of, uh, I think that's really key to understand. Like if you do, um, you know, a, a like an energy provisioning app or, or even if you do something that you think that people are really going to care about, like a bank account or, I mean, like all these things are things that matter to people, but it's still mm. like just so many choices. And all the data we got shows us that people want to like, they want to watch porn or they want to, you know, like they want to do like random stuff. They want to read Huffington Post. They want to like watch, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians. They do not like, they do not want to make all of these choices in the complicated mm -hmm. products. How many websites do you reckon you visit routinely? Um, it's probably I, I was thinking about this and I reckon there are four websites that I go on every day and I reckon it's like we did work with a client recently and they said that they've got 4,000 web pages and eight of them account for 95% of the traffic and I think it's like that there are four websites which I visit every day and I don't want to make decisions beyond that I just choose those four yeah so so when I wrote the talk I looked into some data of that and that definitely seems to be the case like it's very very few you know I I be very surprised if the absolute majority of people have more than 10. Mm -hmm. So not only are we taking away their time from something else, we're taking away their loyalty to another sort of site or another sort of uh, service, I suppose. Yeah, no, totally. I think loyalty is a really interesting, interesting point here. So, so we, um, 
I mean, I do a, a lot of, of research into sort of how people experience brand. Um, or I, I don't do too much of this, research, but, but my company does a lot of research into this. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of when, when you shift brand, people's loyalty go way down. Um, or even if you test like a prototype where the brand is expressed poorly, they react very, very differently to it than they do when it's like a high fidelity branded prototype. It's oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a really significant difference. So it's even just like a logo placements or if the colors are a little bit off or something, they're like, oh, you know, the, um, and they say things like, oh, you know, it doesn't really feel like it's the official website. Like, maybe it's hacked or something. Maybe it's a fraudulent mm-hmm. thing. Like, people are really attuned to it. Um, but I think this is a side note. Like, I think there's this thing, or there is this thing about decision fatigue, right? Where we don't like consumers don't want to make choices no right so that's that's what's nice about like and that's the the uh the booking.com versus um the pizza button what's that <laughs> the pizza button the pin no the booking.com versus the airbnb website that's the comparison that always comes up right it's like this okay. they sort of do roughly the same thing you know, where they they give you the you know, like a price range of places you can stay in a different city, but mm-hmm. but the experience, the way the choices are managed, is a much more reduced uh, reduced number of decisions in order to get the same outcome. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the pizza the pizza button is, uh, takes that to to like an extreme, right? Um, yeah. But I think it's really it's really true, and I think it's really true. Um, for like more complicated services as well, like mm-hmm. you just get it. There, there is like a sweet spot for the amount of decisions that you ask your your customers to make. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so. The the services which have got reduced reduced uh, decisions. I think the the two which really jump out at me. The first is Spotify, um, and the, what's the most listened to playlist on Spotify? It's, it's Discover Weekly. It's someone curating one for you. Mm. and you don't have to make any decisions based on it other than to listen to it which causes a problem for me because it's almost exclusively what I do listen to therefore I don't get new tracks but um, that's that's the most listened to playlist you know people are removing the decision of what shall I listen by listening to something that's curated for them and likewise you've got um, services like Trunk Club which are removing the decision of, of going out and shopping and simply replacing it by we will send you a selection and make your decision from that so no longer are you walking into I don't know, pick your, your poison, whether it's Zara or whether it's a, a bespoke retailer or whether it's a small local shop and looking at this huge range, you're just getting six or 10 items and going, I want that, 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 not that shit back. You've had your choices honed down for you and you're making the final decision, which puts this element of agency on you, which makes you feel like you've made the full decision. I think it connects actually through to, um, you know, you get these ready-made uh, chocolate brownie mixes and you, you put them in a bowl and you add some water and you crack an egg in it and you mix it up and then you bake, make brownies. Yeah, yeah. The fact with that is that the egg is entirely super, superfluous. They could just, that's not a word, superfluous, superfluous. Um, they could just put powdered egg in there, but they make you put the egg in there because then you make enough decisions to feel like you've created the final product. Yeah, so, so they've I, removed them all and put them back one at a time. I, I think that's really interesting, and it speaks to some really interesting psychology because there's like a gradient in the things you're mentioning. So, so the brownie, you know, gives that feeling of reward, like input, like you, like you added something. Whereas I should disagree with Trunk Club. Like I tried out a couple of those mm-hmm. services, and I just like I just feel you have to make loads more choices. Like it's not 
I didn't necessarily feel like I just feel if I don't want to show up, I just don't go shop. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the I've never I can't speak from experience on that. I've not tried any of them out, and I really hate clothes shopping, so I'm kind of in both worlds. <laughs> yeah, no. So the the trunk club thing is like someone is selling something to you like all the time, and it's just much more often than. The, like I don't buy 10 garments a month like that's insane you know like no one needs that much clothes <laughs> are, we, are we thinking we're maybe not the target audience for this one and we're not kind of judging it impartially or, or do you think it is a kind of no, high pressure deselling technique no I think we're I think we are the, the target audience like we're sort of we're really busy we work um, you know a lot of the time that uh, the shops are open uh, I mean you say you're not discerning with clothes but I think that's not necessarily true and uh, and it's all like you know like I'm I'm pretty particular about it but I think we're both you know sort of on each side of, of the target audience mm-hmm. um, a sort of busy man with a little bit of money to spare that would you know like wouldn't mind you know looking good and, and dressing well uh, is part of, of what we do so true so maybe that's that's enhancing that decision because although it's reducing the decisions in the short term, it's compounding them by making you make multiple ones every month. Yeah, I and just therefore feel- it, it doesn't get around it. It just kind of delays it and then makes it collapse in on itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I mean I think it's it's sort of tricky, like the trunk club one. But I think the the it's, it's an interesting thing. The difference between the brownie example and the trunk club example is really interesting because the, the trunk club example is like a push service, right? It's like you have to make 10 decisions every month, right? So you have a yep. perceived reality where you make more than 10 decisions every month and then you reduce it down to 10 decisions curated by someone else whereas the the brownie example is really just a psycho, psychological thing. You make really the only decision you make is I want to make brownies, <laughs> which is the only decision you need to make in life, you know. Um, potentially, uh, <laughs> but, it's, but but there's a really important difference because that's the only choice making me like, oh, I will want to make brownie and I will need an egg. Like mm-hmm. you don't choose whether you're going to put an egg or like a banana in there. No. Like, that's not a choice you know like you're not presented with a choice in the back of the label like you can put some different things in here it just says add an egg so you have to go to add one medium sized egg right so you go to the egg aisle and then you have five eggs to spare I mean that's all that happens I mean like like if it was a true product they'd sell a single egg next to it that is true that is a, a packaging nightmare isn't it how do you package a single egg? I remember I did it, used to do it floating things down the river with the scouts. Yeah, so that's a classic, that's a classic design challenge, right? That we're sort of rapidly <laughs> reversing back to, to, to middle school design projects. So I was recently in, in Toronto. So what was, I mean, so you were at, in, in Toronto. Did you, um, was it a holiday? Was it pleasure? Was it, was it was work? What was the crack? I, it was entirely pleasure. Um, there was, I tried to do a little bit of business um, in that I tried to get hold of uh, the design community in Montreal. Um, and I, I tried and I, I phoned and I, I emailed and I Facebooked and I tweeted and I got a tweet back saying emailers, which I'd already done. Um, and then eventually I got an email saying tomorrow night we're having a big service design gathering um, it's the first one we're getting everyone together um, one of the studios please come down it'd be great to meet you 
but they sent me this as I was on my way to the airport in Toronto. So that was uh, something the downside. But there is a service design community in Montreal, which is really nice to know. But yeah, it, it's really interesting actually on a maybe a different subject. There should maybe be a different one. But we've got a really established service design business in or industry in the UK. And it's watching it evolve in other places and it's just starting to take hold in, in Canada. But Canada's got a really strong community-driven design scene, and um, particularly Montreal around all the festivals and around community and uh, local kind of work, which is uh, something that's not lacking in, in Scotland. I can feel it's very strong in Scotland, but I think it's lacking in the rest of the UK quite strongly, which is interesting. There's a different design strengths across the world that I'm now kind of coming into contact with and seeing, particularly as I'm beginning to look to other places and see what could be out there. That is really interesting. I think we should sort of follow up on that some other time. So there's a lot of famous people talking about decision fatigue in the media at the moment. Um, I mean, sort of Obama very famously say that, uh, you know, he only has two color suit, like a, like a brown one, a blue one, or a gray one, or a brown one, whatever, right? Uh, so he doesn't have to make that choice. I mean, I think realistically he has a stylist, but... Uh, Zuckerberg, who doesn't have a stylist, has taken it one stage further, hasn't it? He excludes exclusively gray, gray t-shirts and jeans. So. I know, and Steve Jobs did the same thing, where he always wears, you know, blue jeans and a, and a polo. And there is something about the idea that is really compelling um and there's something that rings true i think like as we sort of build things as i build things and i test them with users i definitely see that this is a trend like like sort of there is a real art to reducing things to their sentiment which has a power um especially right now when we build things for users and and test them that they're not very interested in making choices like the things that are succeeding at the moment um, are the the products and services that are reducing things to the core so it's the, mm -hmm. you know it's the pizza app the Airbnb is the uber um, like they do something very well they do something very well and they also understand the nature of the service that they provide and they do not um, you know, featureize it too much. Uh -huh. I think that's key. And I think that's maybe a, a nice finishing point and a nice challenge is that if all these apps that we've mentioned, all these services that we've mentioned are, are almost single feature, they offer one service very, very well. And as soon as you begin to expand that service, as soon as you begin to upsell and cross-sell, you complicate it and you lose that essence. And I wonder if a lot of the problems that those kind of businesses have as they grow and as they start to expand is that they lose that essence, they lose that drive, and they just become another big octopus of a service. And that, that brings about their failure and downfall. Whereas if they'd remained a single service, whether they would survive longer or be able to grow in a different way, and whether there is an alternative business model that allows growth and scalability without extending your offering beyond which that you can manage. Yeah, I mean, that is a real, I mean, of course there is, but it's a really big challenge. Um, mm. And it's a challenge that, I mean, we both help our our clients to solve. You know, how do you scale? Um, you know, how do you crystallize the feature set? How do you develop it? Um, you know, without losing the... Um, the sort of straightforwardness that that made them connect with people in the first place. I feel that's a, a pensive ending there. There's, there's no bombshell there, but it's an interesting concept. We've got some good ideas to come back to. So I think this is a good place to wrap up our, our first uh, podcast coming back 
following our, our year absence from the, the ether. But we still care about what, what you guys think. So like, if you want to get in touch, we're on the Facebooks and the Twitters and, you know, the emails and the different things. So, so I mean, like, we'd love to, uh, to know what you got to say, you know, if you're, if you're still listening, if we're still in your download list. And we are going to keep doing it. This is, this is the start of something, start of the next series. Um, so that's been lovely. So it's been a very nice chat, Daniel. It's been lovely, John. Like, uh, um, I'm looking forward to hearing from you in two weeks. Um, so this has been a nonlinear approach to. I've been John. Uh, and I'm still Daniel. And we'll speak to you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.